Welcome to By Mouth, bringing classic novels to sonic life in their essence. You're listening to part one of a two-part podplay of the classic novel Victory by Joseph Conrad. The year, 1882. The setting, Surabaya, a sleepy port town on the island of Java in the Dutch East Indies. Our tale begins on the veranda of Schomburg's hotel. You know, heist, enchanted heist. Wasn't he a Swedish baron or something? <laughs> Come now, he's not been much more than a loafer here, as long as anyone can remember. I'm enchanted with these islands. <laughs> yeah. Queer chap with that one. Said he was after facts. That's it, hard facts. A great stride forward. Something to do with coal, wasn't it? Mine, I believe, on that minuscule island. What in the devil is that name? At the foot of those... Volcano. Exactly. Sam Buran. That's it. Given the man's reputation, it's likely nothing of any real value came from any of his... Uh... Precisely. Still, a man who would bivouac with cannibals simply for fun... And risk becoming supper. A gentleman, no doubt. A gentleman, of course. You remember him with Morrison that day at the bar. Come and quench your thirst with us, gentlemen. I nearly choked on my lager. <laughs> any man who could propose to quench my thirst must... <laughs> And I say must be a utopist. <laughs> Another round, gentlemen? Of course. Woman, drinks. Yes, Wilhelm. All this talk is very good, but he can't throw any of his cold dust in this eyes. A fellow like that's for a manager. <laughs> Morrison? A manager? No, heist. Heist. We were just speaking of that very gentleman. I tell you, there is nothing in it, gentlemen. Nothing. You mean the coal outfit, yes? The coal spindle is more like it. All I can say, gentlemen, all I can say is don't you ever get mixed up with that Swede. Some months later... I have news, gentlemen. The company is gone. That's right. The engineers, the clients, the coolies, everything. Gone. But there she sticks. Someone saw him with their own eyes. A bit of bright on the wharf. Heist. Sure enough. So he's still on the island. Oh, he was very polite. I remain in possession here, he says. Possession? Of the mine? Of his partner, if I know the man. And believe me, gentlemen, I know the man. Some months later, plastered to every column are posters proclaiming world-famous ladies' orchestra in two weeks. Have you everything you want, gentlemen? Good. You see? What was I telling you? There was nothing in it. Nothing. I knew it. You certainly forecasted. It's been five months since I've spoken to anyone who has seen him. The man is a hermit in the wilderness. A hermit from shame. Why, he's not into you for drinks now, is he? <laughs> drinks? No! He's paid not two visits to my establishment the entire time she's been in the East. Not two visits. What I want to know is what he gets to eat there. A piece of dried fish now and then? That's pretty low. Pretty low for a man who turned up his nose at my hotel. A few months later, who appears outside of Schomburg's but heist himself? 
I really don't know why he has come to stay here. This place isn't good enough for him. Here I have got up this ladies' orchestra for you gentlemen, just to make things a little brighter. Do you think he will stoop to step in and listen to a piece or two of an evening? Not he. No. He smokes on the balcony all the evening long. Planning some new middle, no doubt. The way he got hold of Captain Morrison, you heard. Squeezing him dry like a lemon before sending him home to die there. Everyone knows the captain had a weak chest. Robbed first and then murdered afterwards. For tuppence, I would ask him to go and look for quarters elsewhere. Well. World famous ladies orchestra reads the lurid backdrop. which depicts a half dozen attractive young Asian female violinists backed by a seedy male bandmaster with badly dyed hair and mustache and his equally repulsive piano playing wife smile ladies yes a smile shomberg peers up at an upstairs balcony where heist can be seen smoking a cigarette Later, upstairs, Heist has fled the balcony for the quiet of his room. I've come with your tray, Mr. Heist. Oh, yes. Uh, you may set it down. <laughs> There. It's Mrs. Schomburg, is it not? <laughs> I don't suppose you know what time the music is set to conclude. <laughs> I see. Thank you. Mrs. Schomburg. <laughs> Your female artist, gentlemen. Maestro. Maestro. Ah, yes. <laughs> And now is the time, gentlemen, when our female artists will grace the members of the audience with their delightful company. As Schomburg decamps from the canopy, a half dozen young Asian females follow him begin mingling intimately with patrons. Ah, good evening, gentlemen. We saw the tea from a play. You like a parasitary? <laughs> It would be our pleasure. Great job, Run! That will be ten. Entrance. Thank you. One young woman, Eurasian in appearance, lingers on the steps. <coughs> hmm. You. Yes, you. Get down from there. Yes, ma'am. Mescolarsi. Mingle. Mingle, eh? Ow! Excuse me, miss. That horrible woman has done something to you. She's pinched you, hasn't she? I I'm sure she pinched you just now when you stood on the stair. What is it to you? What are you going to do about it? I don't know. I can I do anything? What would you wish me to do? Command me. Command you? Who are you? I I'm simply staying at this hotel for a few days. I just wanted don't to Don't interfere. Would you like me to leave? She pinched me because I didn't get down here quick enough. That's awful. But um well, since we are here, shouldn't we sit down? Do you sing as well as play never say no to my life never had much reason to since i was little you are english yes 
Do you always smile when you talk? <laughs> It's my manner, I'm afraid. Is it very objectionable? No, I just haven't come across very many pleasant people in my life. That's all. That woman who pinched you. Well, she's infinitely more unpleasant than any cannibal I've had to deal with. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I say, couldn't you defend yourself somehow? There are too many for me. May I bring you something, uh, sir? No, thank you. I was just taking my leave. Don't just stare at me. Clear the table. Do something for once without having to be poked and prodded. Yes, Wilhelm. Same table. The following evening. There's not a soul in this world who would care if I make a hole in the water the next chance I get. Come now. May I bring you another drink, sir? For the lady. We're fine. Yes. Yes. Huh. No, you can certainly do better than that. If it's only a matter of of getting away. There are too many for me. What do you call this place again? Surabaya. Hmm. Perhaps you might see the consul. Consul. Yes, perhaps he could be persuaded to send you home. I see. And what would I do when I get there? You do something. You're a gentleman. It wasn't I who spoke to you. You came and spoke to me. Well. What did you mean then by command me? Get away now and try to smile as you go. Another drink, sir. Ah, uh, no, I, I, I was just uh, leaving. I know, just leaving. From her stool, Mrs. Schomburg observes her husband's lustful eyes follow Lena onto the canopy. I thought I told you, Roman, to stop eyeing me. Yes, Wilhelm. Later. After the concert, Lena can be seen lugging herself and her worn violin case up a darkened stairway towards her room. Oh, Mr. Schomburg, you like to tease me, don't you? Making me watch you with that scrodens. No, no, I. You like to tease Schomburg. Mr. Schomburg, your wife. My wife can go hang herself. <laughs> I will send her home to her people. I survive Mars. Yes, you, my darling, will be by my side. You will be made one of this. You will be my yes, my. Heist, who's been listening from his balcony, lights a lantern, then makes his way downstairs. There, Heist's lantern swings sharply, and a frightened Lena can be seen clinging to him. Okay, okay, uh, all right.、Uh, it'll be all right. I knew it. From the first time you spoke to me, command me. You said, "Funny thing for a man like you to say." Did you mean it? You weren't making fun of me, were you? No, no, I, 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 I believe you. It's the way you have of talking, as if you were amused with people. But I wasn't fooled. I could see you were angry with the bandmaster's wife, and you're clever. You spotted it at once in my face. It isn't a bad face, is it? Oh, of course not. It's.、Uh... I've been pestered by fellows like this before. I'm afraid we've been detected. I think I saw someone in the bushes. That would be him. Only tonight he. I could face him now. Now that I know you. Right. Oh, don't throw me over now. If you did, I'd survive. But I, I, I always survive. But oh, I know what sort of girl I am. But I'm not the sort that men turn their backs on. Unless, oh, forgive me. You aren't like the others. You're like no one I've ever spoken to. Taking Lena's hands, Heist draws her close. You haven't seen any more of that somebody in the bushes, have you? If it was anyone, it would be his wife. Mrs. Schonberg. Look, I think I was mistaken before. If it's as you say, then 
She could inform the fellow. Oh no, she'll help if she dares to do anything at all. You seem to have a very clear view of the situation. Lena gives Heist a lingering kiss. On my word, I don't even know your name. Don't you? Lena. Lena. Your voice is enough. Whatever it says. Why did you tell me to smile this evening at the concert? You remember. We were being observed by Schomburg. If you hadn't smiled, I might not have come out here tonight. Lena's lips touch his lightly. Then she is gone. Heist lingers as if in a trance. Then abruptly he turns, and he and the still-lit lantern make their way slowly and steadily back to his room. The next morning, on the quiet veranda... I will kill you, Bandmaster! Uh, just, uh, just one more, man. I will kill you, Schweinhund! Wait! Wait! How dare you let you get away with that Schwein! Wait! Help me! A few days later... I'm telling you, the fellow has checked out. Checked out? Shh! Very warm today. Yeah, gentlemen? Quiet. <coughs> we were wondering, Schomburg, if, if you knew what happened to... Uh... Heist. Yes, heist. What do I care about heist? Why, ordinarily, you seem quite interested in... He isn't here now, is he? We would simply like to know what happened to the fellow. I said, don't you bother about him. Mrs. Schomburg. <clears throat> I say, it must have been difficult for you, Mrs. Schomburg, all those people in the house. Yes. Where did they go from here, if you don't mind us inquiring? Did they now? The English girl, did she go with them? She ran away. I see. Who with, if we might ask? Mr. Sweet. You can't mean it. I helped them, got her things together, tied them up in my shawl, and threw them out a back window. I did it. Good heavens. Don't say a word to Mr. Schomburg, please. Did you start the soup? Go! I'm sorry, Mrs. Schomburg, that you won't tell us anything about our friend's disappearance. I suppose we shall have to inquire down at the docks. Inquire of the devil! It's unreasonable to get as angry as all that. Why, it isn't as if he's run off with your cash box. Cash box? He ran off with a girl! What do I care for the girl? She's nothing to me. What I'm concerned for is the good name of the house. I've always had artist parties stay here. What would happen if what got around that leaders ran the risk in my house of losing members of their troop? The tick, the indecency, the atrocity. Vagabond, schwindler, rapier, schweinhund! Isn't he in a filthy temper? Indeed. Were you two witness to the scrap twixt he and the bandmaster? Why, the proscenium itself seemed to leap. Instruments crashing, women wailing. Monkeys up the trees. And to think that by ten the same morning, those two were in a carriage together down at the dock. Schomburg and the bandmaster. Together? To search for Heist and the girl, evidently. Turns out they'd hopped an eastbound freighter the previous night. They were already on the island. So he took her to Sambu. 
older. Well, certainly isn't a thing I would have done. No, not even if you weren't a married man. I shouldn't have had the pluck. Surely he never stopped to consider, or he would never have done it. You don't take a woman into the jungle without being made sorry for her sooner or later. And him being a gentleman. It only makes it. Yes, it only makes it worse. Some weeks later... Like I've been telling you, a man like that, a man like that is a public danger. I remember him for years. I will say nothing of his spying. Well, he used to say himself he was looking for out-of-the-way facts. And what is that? It's not spying. He got hold of Captain Morrison, as you well know, and scared him off to Europe to die there. Next, he gets up that swindle of the coal, the Tropical Bale Coal Company. You know all about it. And now, after lining his pockets with other people's money, he kidnaps an English girl belonging to an orchestra which is performing in my public room for the benefit of my customers and goes off to live like a prince on that island where nobody can get at him. Winderlich has said, gentlemen, Winderlich! If he keeps on like that, he will surely end up going mad. Have you heard any news of Heist and the girl? Has anyone seen them? We haven't heard as much as a peep. Suddenly, a tall, cadaverous-looking English gentleman in his late forties enters the veranda. Psst, Wilhelm, guest. Between his pale, bony fingers is a slip of paper. W. Schomburg Proprietor. You are Schomburg, are you not? I am. Yes. Entering next is an enormous leather trunk. Underneath the trunk is Ricardo. My secretary. He must have the room next to mine. Aye. We can manage that. <laughs> you have been traveling for some time. For sport, perhaps? Sport? Yes. What would you say to chasing the sun? I see. And where, might I ask, did you hear of me, gentlemen? In Manila, from a man with whom I had a game of cards one evening in the Hotel Castile. I have no friends in Manila. Oh, he was anything but a friend. He called you all the names he could think of. He said you set a lot of scandal going about him once. In Bangkok, I think. Yes, that's it. You were running a gentleman's table in Bangkok, were you not? A gentleman's table, certainly, always. For the sake of my customers. In this place, too. All right, then. Many people in the evening at your place? A fair amount. Ought to be more. If only people would see it was for their own good. I like a hotel where one can find some local people in the evening. It's infernally dull otherwise. Mm. There are no women in your hotel, eh? There is Mrs. Schomburg, of course. Women give me the shivers. Understand? Your names, gentlemen, for my books. My name? Oh, plain Mr. Jones. Put that down. And this is... Ricardo. 
<laughs> Martin Ricardo. Occupation? Put down tourists. That's right. We've been called worse names before now, haven't we, Martin? <laughs> Later, in the Schomburg's upstairs bedroom... Hang me if I should not go at once, this minute, and tell him to be off him and the secretary of his. I don't mind a friendly game of cards, but to make a decoy of my gentleman's table, it makes my blood boil. He came here because some lying rascal in Manila told him I'd get a gentleman's table. Overbearing, swindling, sharper. I've got a good mind to... Careful, Wilhelm. Remember the knives and the revolvers in the trunk. You stupid, idiotic female. Pull up the covers so that I don't have to look at you. Schomburg exits onto a small balcony where he daydreams Lena returns his manly affection. Oh, you are so handsome, so very strong. Herr Schomburg, I... Yes, if only, if only. Downstairs, the billiards table has been converted into a makeshift gambling table. Good night, gentlemen. Have a drink on me before retiring. By all means. I was wondering, how much longer will I have the privilege of lodging you gentlemen? What's the matter? Don't you like to have people in your house? I should have thought the owner of a hotel would be pleased. I would have thought that this place was too dull and uninteresting for travelers such as yourselves. We haven't had time to be dull these last three years, have we, Martin? Mm-mm. So here we are, and here we stay. Would you try to put us out? I dare say you could try, but not without getting badly hurt. Very badly hurt. We can promise him that, can't we, Martin? Mm-hmm. You don't think by any chance... That you are dealing with ordinary people? He's a gentleman. Martin attaches too much importance to social advantage. What I mean is, he, quiet and inoffensive as he might seem, would think nothing of, say, setting fire to this fine establishment of yours. Now that wouldn't advance your affairs much, would it? Come, come, gentlemen. This is very wild talk. You've been used to dealing with tame people, have you? Well, we aren't tame. We once kept a whole town at bay for two days and then got away with our plunder. It was in Venezuela. Ask Martin. He'll tell you. You mean to say you would make deadly trouble for the sake of the few guilders you and that gentleman win of an evening? One must do something to kill the time. Killing time is not yet forbidden, is it? Nah. What if I was to tell you I'm pretty near as desperate as you two gentlemen? What would you think of that? Oh, Schomberg has an easy time of it running his hotel. And yet it seems to me I just as soon let you rip me up and embarrass the whole show as not. There! Come, come. You have a tolerable business. 
You are perfectly tame, you. You have a wife. What do you mean by flinging that trouble at my head? I wish you would carry her off somewhere. To the devil, I wouldn't run after you. How dare you? I tell you, I'm desperate. I don't care what happens to me. <laughs> huh, less than three months ago, you would have found somebody very different from the man you're talking to now. <laughs> I should think that was a lie. You were probably as tame then as you are today. You were born tame, like most people in the world. There has been a ladies' orchestra here. How dare you bring up such... Subjects. There was a girl. Damn you. I would have kicked everything to pieces for her and she for me. But then a fellow bewitched her. A lying, swindling stop at I nothing. shall not hear another word of your beastly trouble. <laughs> Later, in the Schomburg's bedroom... Be careful, Wilhelm. Be careful, be careful. Is that all you can say? One of these days, one of these days I will twist off that celery stock head of yours. I will. <laughs> Wilhelm. What I need is a real woman's arms around my neck to brace me, inspire me. Wilhelm. I will speak to him tomorrow before he goes to bed. What is a fellow anyway? But a common criminal. He and his secretary. Violent, to be sure. Oh, Wilhelm. But even a common uh, criminal would uh, think twice about openly murdering a respected hotel keeper in a civilized town. Be careful. You. No, Wilhelm. No. The next day, downstairs. Come, take a card, quick. King of Hearts, that's what you've got. I can make you take any card I like, night times out soon. You are pretty good at that. First got in the way of playing it for smokes, you know, common sailor games. You were at sea then? Been at sea me whole life. Worked up to mate, my done. <laughs> mate of a yacht, in the Gulf. That's right. Soft job a fella don't come across very often. My one mate, oh, when I left the sea to follow him. Mr. Jones, you mean? Is he a sailor too? Him? A sailor? <laughs> He's no more Mr. Jones than you are. You ain't no gentleman. I'll tell you that. Because if you were, you wouldn't even be asking. Now, me, I know a gentleman by sight. On a yacht, are employed by ten of them, that's right. Ten. Well, nine gents, good enough in their way, and one downright gentleman. Make no mistake, I spotted him from the start. And what was the game? The game? Exactly. Treasure hunting. At first, see, there were only nine of them. Then, just the day before we set sail, he turns up. Heard of it somewhere, as I'd say from some woman, if I didn't know him like I do. Anyway... I tells the dockman at our mooring to hold tight so the gangway weren't yet down, but up he jumps, one leap, and he's on board. They pass up his dunnage and he puts his hand in his pocket, see, 
and tosses out all his small change for them chaps to grab. That's when he looked at me, quiet like, in a slow way. He seemed to touch me somewhere deep inside. If anybody had told me we'd be partners forty years was out, well. So it's a gentleman up there talked you into leaving a good post. Uh, he didn't need to talk me into it. He just looked at me, and that were enough. One night he was lying at anchor, I'm not sure where it was. Well, he was to dig in the morning and all, and as I turned in early, see? Well, up he comes, and in his quiet way, he says to me, But what do you think of our treasure hunt now? <laughs> I didn't even turn me head. It's nothing but damn tomfoolery, sir, I says to him. I dare say he read me like a bull. I never have been tame, not in the slightest. For instance, you there. You are no more to me one way or t'other than the fly over there. Not as much as squash you, is not. Come now. Well, believe me, it takes a real gentleman to see through a fella. Oh, yeah, he spotted me, all right. Watched me do card tricks for the other gents. So, he says to me, he says, It's time to go, Martin. <laughs> First time he called me Martin, I says, Is it, sir? He says, You didn't think I was after that kind of treasure, did you? <laughs> I let him know, then and there, I'm going for anything, from pitch and toss. To willful murder in his company. Willful murder? That's right. So I tail it below and ram a few things into my sailor's bag. I never cared for a lot of damage, see? And when I comes back up, he don't even look at me. Can you get the captain on deck, he says. That was the last thing I should have thought of doing. Morgan try, I says. Get him up and keep him up, he says. Till I return. Now bringing up the skipper easy enough. I'd only stamp a few times over his head, but to keep him up... Anything the matter, Mr. Ricardo? The skipper says. I hadn't thought of anything to tell him, so I didn't dare turn round. What you staring at out there, Mr. Ricardo? I wasn't staring at nothing, but his mistake gave me a notion, see? Looks like a drift log over there, sir. A drift log? Nothing strange in seeing a drift log off a coast like that. And I'll be hanged if the skipper didn't make one out, even so. Strange how a man's life can hang on a single word. Had he said, bollocks, and turned his back, they wouldn't have made it three steps towards his bed. And Mr. Jones? Might be on him, looking as carefree as before he went below. So I asked him by signs if I want to knock the skipper on his head and drop him quietly overboard. But he shakes his head, you know why? Because he'd got hold of the old skipper's cash box by an entry. A common burglar. So what if he didn't want to see his money back, like any tame shopkeeper do? Fancy a mud turtle like you, passing an opinion on a gentleman. Anyways, later I ask him why he didn't let me give the skipper one on a coconut, but he only raises one finger. No ferocity. No ferocity, he says. Of <laughs> course, if I meant to rip you up, I could do it in a jiffy. Of a blade out the leg of me trousers. You don't! Suppose a difference comes up during a game. You just drops a card. When you comes out, you're ready to strike. You wouldn't believe the damage a fellow with a blade can do. I see. But no ferocity. No ferocity. <laughs> But no shirking neither. <laughs> 
You mean to tell me you left steady employment at good wages for a life like this? That's just what a man like you would say. I ain't a dog walking on his hind legs for a bone. I'm a man who's serving a gentleman. That's a difference you'll never understand, Mr. Tame Schoenberg. And so you go about the world like this. Gambling. It isn't risky. Nah, life is a risk in it now. You never know what could turn up. And you never can tell exactly what cards is is holding yourself. I haven't touched a card in 20 years. Not me. I'd play for nuts, for parched bees, for rubbish. I'd play for their souls. <laughs> but this lot here, they're nothing but a beggarly, bloodless lot of cucumbers they are. Not much of a lay, is it? No, it ain't. And I'd be ashamed of it myself, only the governor, well, he's subject to fits. Fits? Sounds serious. Serious enough. Regular fits of laziness, I call them. Now and then he lays down on me. There's no moving him. Generally, I can talk him over, but when he says, Martin, I'm bored, look out. I only wish I had something to lever him out with. Lever him out? What do you mean? Don't you understand English? He's bald, man. These uh, feats, how long do they generally last? Weeks, months, years, centuries, it seems to me. Suppose I did have a lever for you. What kind of lever? It would be a safe to rock him as a man in the moon. Man in the moon, eh? He's been hanging around this part of the world for years. I'm the only one who has seen through him from the start. Two-faced, stick at nothing, dangerous fellow. Dangerous, is he? You know the type. I see. Lying, polite. Yes. Nothing open about him. Yeah. Calls himself a Swedish Baron. And you say he's been living alone there? After bagging all that. Plunder. Plunder, eh? Ask anyone who comes here if not a fortnight ago that Swede didn't call on his banker today's running. Now a fellow doesn't go to a counting house today's running to chat about the weather. He goes to close his account one day and the next day... Get his money. Get this. Now, what he has buried on the island, the devil only knows. An island, you say? Small. Not far. Not far. And he went back there. What for? Honeymoon. <laughs> Why, it's the girl yet? Uh, Can't bear to talk about her, eh? I wish you hadn't told me that. It wouldn't suit the governor and no woman's mixed up in this. What's she like? Tutti fruity, eh? A baron. Hmm. I believe the governor would think this business worth looking into. He do like a duel. And I don't know a man that can stand up to him on the square. But a woman, he funks facing them. Nah. If you go into a room where there's a woman, young or old, pretty or ugly, you got to face her. Unless you're after her. The governor's right. She's in the way. That's silly. Don't you go judging a gentleman now. But it would be like going to pick up a thousand pound nugget or two or three times as much. The petticoat's the trouble. Oh. Hang me if I ever saw a fella look so disappointed. You'd send Black Plague to that island if you only knew how, eh? <laughs> what? Black Plague too good for him? Black Plague too good for him. 
I don't wish harm to the girl. She did bolt from me, come. Devil only knows what that sweet did to her. Look how he bewitched poor Captain Morrison. Took the fella's money, eh? And his life. Terrible fella, the Swedish Baron. How is one to get at him? Two against one. Yes, yes, but how is one to get at him? No trouble. The plunder, you bloody hippo. You think the fella live next door the way you chat? Hang it all. Can't you understand a simple question? I've asked you the way. Why over the water? Of course. Two days, no more. I have an excellent safe boat, a ship's lifeboat, Jerry Ferti let alone a pair, and a child would handle her. Hey, if you've got a boat, why haven't you gone after him yourself? You're a fine fella for a disappointed lover. I'm not too. Yes, I know you're sore. You're like most people. Tame. Okay, Mr. Tame Schomburg, respectable citizen. Let us go thoroughly into this matter. What am I going to do? What? Why not? It's not in me. I want to get anything about it. Buran, a tiny remote island outside Java in the Dutch East Indies. Our tale continues outside the main house and garden of the former Tropical Bay Coal Company. Next to a heap of abandoned coal is a blackboard sign covered over by a hastily nailed board reading closed. On the raised veranda, above a screen door that leads into the house, hangs a portrait of a sombre-looking older gentleman. Look on, look on. The veranda is comprised of floor-to-ceiling bookcases, a roll-top desk, a hutch for dishes, a small eating table, and a divan. Down a half-dozen steps is a vegetable and herb garden. Surrounding the house is jungle. An old mine car sits on tracks leading to a higher elevation. A jetty with rails for the car pokes out from the jungle and ends in a panorama of blue sea. My boy, the first thought, the first impulse, the barbed hook baited with the illusion of progress. The primeval ancestor lifting his muddy frame from the celestial mold, then inspecting and naming that which he is soon to lose. Caught. Yes, caught, like the silliest fish of them all. 
Have you no guidance, Father? You still believe in something. Flesh and blood, perhaps? A cool content would soon do away with that. But since you've not attained it, I advise you to cultivate that form of contempt known as pity. Always remembering, though, that you are as pitiful as the rest, yet never expecting any pity for yourself. But what is one to do, Father? Look on and make no sound. Look on and make no sound. But why? Aren't we alone here? Yes, yes, of course. Quite alone. But that is except for Wang. I have told you about Wang. You better hurry up. That is, if you don't want to be left behind. Me stop. You want to stop? Here? Yes. What were you? I mean, what was your work here? Mess loom. I see. Would you like to stay here as my servant? Can do. You needn't. You know that. I may be here for a very long time. Me go get me one wife. Apparently, he'd persuaded one of the village women to come live here with him, which is strange given that villagers are generally frightened of the Chinese. He must have been uncommonly fascinating, or uncommonly persuasive. I see. I believe we'll find it useful to have him here. Hmm. You know what I was thinking as I stood here? No. What was it? I was wondering when you'd come out. I wasn't very far. You know, it seems to me that... Were you to stop thinking of me, I shouldn't be in the world at all. Is that a reproach? Why? You'll make me afraid to think. It couldn't be any other way, not with a girl like me and a man like you. Here we are, the two of us, alone. And I don't even know where we are. A very well-known spot on the globe, believe me. There must have been 50,000 circulars issued. 150,000 more like it. My partner took care of that. Your partner? What could I reproach you for anyway? For being good, gracious, affectionate, pretty. <laughs> Is that your father? There, in the picture? Yes, that's father. What was he like? Oh, he was a, a great man, father, in his way. He began like most sensitive people. He took fine words for good coin and noble ideals for valuable banknotes. Later he discovered... How can I explain it? Suppose the world were a factory and all the mankind workers in it. He discovered that the pay was not good enough, that they were paid in counterfeit money. I see. It wasn't a new discovery, but he did bring his considerable gift for scorn to bear on it. How many minds he actually convinced, I can't say, but... Well, I was quite young then, and others, you see, had read his books, but I... I heard his voice, and to a young boy, that voice was... everything. I understand. Do you? Well, after listening to it and him for so long, I couldn't drag my soul down into the mud to fight. So I wandered and ended up here. The Tropical Bay Coal Company? Yes, like father, deceased. Don't you joke about that. Shan't I? No. Anyway, isn't it wonderful? There's no one here for either of us to fight. No, I suppose there's not. Only each other. <laughs> As Heist and Lena kiss, Wang appears around the side of the house and drops to a crouch. Watching, as Lena takes Heist's hand and leads him inside, Wang quizzically cocks his head. A day or two later, after a hike, Heist and Lena stand on a rocky plateau at the highest elevation on the island. Oof, we're so high up. It makes my head swim. Look! See that tiny speck of white? Sail ho! Must be very far away. 
probably just some native craft making for the Moluccas. Come, we shouldn't stay here. It's too close. A short while later, in a quiet spot away from the cliff... You didn't like looking at the sea from up there, did you? Too big. Too lonely. Oh, not with you. Not a bit. It's only when we came to that spot, and I looked at all that water and all that light... We won't come up here again, then? No, it just seemed as if everything there is had suddenly gone under. Makes me think of Noah and the Flood. Does it frighten you? I'd be frightened to be left alone. A vision of a world destroyed. Would you be sorry for it? I'd be sorry for the happy people in it. But it's the unhappy ones who most require our sympathy. There were 40 days before it was over. Plenty of time for unhappiness. <laughs> you seem in possession of all the details. 12 years of catechism. Does it ever rain here? There's a season when it rains almost every day. Periodically there are thunderstorms. Once we even had a mud shower. Mud shower? Our neighbour there, clearing his throat. But he's a good-natured, lazy fellow of a volcano, mostly. He just smokes a lot, like me. <laughs> I was thinking, why are you here? If by you, you mean we, well, you know why. No, I mean before. Before you spotted me and guessed at once I was in trouble. And you knew it was desperate trouble, didn't you? Yes, but, well, that's over now. Now we're here. But you're right. I haven't explained how I came to be here. No, you haven't. Okay. I'll tell you a fact. One day I met a cornered man. Cornered? Oh, he'd rather have been killed outright, rather than be robbed of his very substance. In his case, his ship. I say cornered because the man went down on his knees and he prayed. Prayed? In front of you? Yes. And you didn't make fun of him? Oh, no. He was too decent a fellow for that. He was a good man. Cornered. Did you never think, when you were cornered, of offering up a prayer? I'm not what they call a good girl. Yes, well, he did. Pray, I mean. And I couldn't help but be struck by the sheer absurdity of the situation. Oh, don't misunderstand. I'm not referring to his prayer. That was sincere. What struck me as funny is that I, Axel Heist, the most detached creature on earth, a veritable tramp among men, should have been there to, to step in. Me, a man of universal scorn and disbelief. You're putting me on. No, I tell you. I have never been so amused as by being called to act such an incredible part. I got him out of his corner, you see. You saved a man for fun? Is that what you mean? I suppose his distress was disagreeable to me. The small sum he required, why, that was inconsiderable. What you call fun came after, when it dawned on me that I was, for him, living proof of the power of prayer. And how could I argue? It would have looked as if I'd wanted to assume the credit. Already his gratitude was formidable. Of course, now I would have come to live with him aboard his ship. Now we'd be partners. I had inadvertently, you see, created a tie. And so you lived with that man? He was actually quite easy to live with, until he got hold of the coal idea, or rather the idea got hold of him. It was going to make his fortune, my fortune, everybody's fortune. He'd got it into his head he could do nothing without me. And was I now to spurn and ruin him? I agreed, of course, and began jabbering commercial gibberish like the veriest idiot. I had to be loyal to the man. No, the shade of Morrison need not haunt me now. Lena's face suddenly goes pale. What's the matter, Lena? Do you feel ill? What's come over you? It's nothing. It can't be. What name did you say? I didn't hear it properly. Name? Why, I only mentioned Morrison. What of it? Do you mean to say he was your friend? Yes, of course. You can't make fun of this. Of course not. That partner of yours, 
is dead. I've told you, he... You never told me. I thought you knew. It seems impossible that anybody shouldn't know that Morrison is dead. Morrison. Morrison. This is extraordinary. Have you heard the name before? Yes. Well, that's strange. Only I didn't know then that it was your partner they were talking about. Talking about Morrison? No, they were talking about you. Only I didn't know. Talking about me? Where? Who? In that hotel. Where else? Schomburg. Yes. He talked to the bandmaster. I had to sit there at the table with them. The bandmaster's wife wouldn't let me... I'd have guessed as much. I'd tried to get as far away from him as I could, to the other end of the table, but when he... Schonberg. Yes, when he started shouting, I couldn't help but hear. That sort, when they know you're defenceless, there's nothing to stop them. I don't know what it is, but bad people, really bad people, that you can see are bad, they get over me somehow. Well, you needn't apologise. I'm not very plucky, I guess. You did what any woman in your position would do. You don't seem to want to know what he was saying. About Morrison? Well, it couldn't have been anything bad. The fellow was innocence itself. Besides, he is dead, so... I tell you, it was you he was talking about. He was saying that Morrison's partner first got all there was to get out of him, and then, well, as good as murdered him, sent him out to die somewhere. And you believed it? I didn't know it had anything to do with you. He was talking about some Swede. How was I to know it was you? So that's how it looked from the outside. I remember him saying that everybody in these parts knew the story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't laugh. Surely you know the value of human judgment. I heard this before you and I ever spoke. Then I forgot about it. I forgot about everything when I met you. But the name, it stuck in my head. And then when you mentioned it... It broke the spell. Yes. <laughs> what am I thinking? As if it mattered to me what anybody said or believed. It's only the second time I've heard you laugh. What a stupid person. What could make him invent such a lie? I never thought it was murder. Have I utter selfishness written all over my face? It wasn't murder. <laughs> murder? I, who couldn't bear to hurt the man's feelings, who respected his very madness. Yes, this madness you see lying all around down there. What was it to me, what they said? He would repay me with this infernal coal, and I had to join him as one joins a child's game in the nursery. I didn't listen. Kill Morrison. What power there is in words. What stroke of evil drove them into that idiot's mouth and out of his lying throat? I don't judge you, not for anything. This earth must be the anointed hatching place of enough slander to fill the universe. And you, all you can say is that you don't judge me, that... I don't believe anything bad of you. I couldn't. Heist swerves, and before Lena can make a move, he takes her in his arms and kisses her passionately. A tear can soon be seen streaming down her face. Averting her eyes, she signs for him to leave, but he does not obey. Back at the house, Wang enters with a tray, the contents of which he sets out carefully on the table. Pausing at the rail to peer out sceptically, Wang then descends the steps and vanishes around the side of the house. Heist emerges from a jungle pathway, trailed at a distance by a clearly fatigued Lena. <laughs> I forget, you're not a tropical bird. You're hardly a native to these parts yourself, sir. <laughs> Oh, Wang's left a tray for us. I thought I saw something white for a moment. He vanishes. It's a remarkable gift in that man. Is he always like that? Ever since I've known him. Now, Princess of Samburan, why don't you go in and rest for a bit? Yes, you're right. I shall read for a spell. As she exits into the house, Heist moves to a bookshelf, where he pulls down a certain book and opens it at the marker. Of all the stratagems of life... The most cruel is the consolation of love. The most subtle, too, for the desire is the bed of dreams. I am caught, father. Yes, caught. 
Like the silliest fish of them all. You stand there as if you were unhappy. Oh, I thought you were asleep. I tried. It's my fault, taking you up so high and keeping you out so long. You should try to love me, you know. What makes you say that? I've done nothing. It's you who have been good and tender to me. My dear... Perhaps you just wanted company, perhaps... Are you trying to pick a quarrel? Surely you don't think I'm anxious to return to mankind. Me? Murder, dear Morrison. I might be capable of it, but the point is, I didn't do it. Let's forget all about it, yes? If we forget, there will be nothing here to remind us. Nothing can break in on us here. Placing her arms around Heist's neck, Lena's about to kiss him when suddenly... It's him. Go inside. I'll be there in a moment. What do you want? Bot! There! In the straits? No. No! Rowboat. Sambun Point. As close as that? White men. Two. White men? Impossible. As Heist exits quickly towards the jetty, Wang, shading his eyes with his hand, peers sceptically after him. Near the end of the jetty... Where? In heaven's name is that... Suddenly realising that the sound is coming from directly beneath his feet, Heist is able to extract from beneath the jetty a rowboat containing Ricardo and Jones. Are you wounded? Down up. Drink. Somehow, Ricardo manages to get to his feet. He spreads out his arms. There's dried blood all over the front of his white suit. Give us water. Go and get a crowbar, Wang. There's one by the coal heap. Crowbar? What for? Hurry, Wang! Snatching the bar from the returning Wang's hand, then levering it against a tap on the jetty. Heist is able to produce a small trickle of water, which Ricardo greedily collects with his parched, outstretched mouth. All of a sudden, something in the pipe gives way. Having forgotten about Jones altogether, Ricardo quickly glances behind him. Oh, come along, sir. I want to have drunk first. It's true, I forgot myself. Water. Let me steady you, sir. Catch hold, sir. Here you are. Don't you feel like life itself soaking into you, sir? I'm afraid we're not presenting ourselves in a very favourable light. My companion, uh, the secretary, is a singular chap. I assure you, my surprise at your arrival leaves little room for pleasantries. Hadn't you better land? That's that sicky, sir. Ain't it luck to find a white man on this island? Sooner expected to meet an angel from heaven, eh, Mr. Jones? <laughs> One, two, three, up you go. Oh, oh. Great wonder work a water is. And to get it right on the spot, heaven sent, I sir. Criminy, and a ma would have done us. When I saw a wharf, I couldn't believe my eyes. Thought sure it were a mirage. I had just enough wits left in my baked brain to alter the direction of the boat. As to finding a white man, preposterous. Wouldn't have dreamt of it. Most extraordinary luck. May I infer, then... That there is a settlement of white people here? Abandoned, I'm afraid. I'm alone here. But several houses are still standing. Wang, go and fetch the trolley. The word. Rails and all. Well, I never... We were working a coal mine here. The counting house, Wang. I'm prevented from offering you a share of my own quarters. But our old counting house has a couple of camp bedsteads, if I'm not mistaken. Let me show you the way. As Heist leads Ricardo and Jones up the jetty, Wang collects the trolley and wheels it back down to the rowboat. After glaring suspiciously at the men's sticker-laden trunk, Wang turns back to watch Heist lead the strange men up the jungle path. Wang then climbs reluctantly into the boat. 
Later, a lantern can be seen approaching the main house. You're back. Oh, you haven't gone to sleep then? No. Isn't it dull for you to sit in the dark? I don't need a light to think of you. Wang's not here, is he? No, he put down this tray, then vanished. I see. Heist points the lantern in the direction of the counting house. Wang, who has entered the garden, drops to a crouch. We'd better go in, Lena. Yes, but... All right. Leaving the lantern burning on the table, Heist follows Lena into the house. Still crouching, Wang watches and waits. A short while later, Heist re-emerges. Suddenly remembering something... What's the matter? I must have put it somewhere else. Put what? I'm sorry. I was out having a cigarette and then... What did you lose? It's nothing. An object of very little value. Don't worry. You go back and lie down. Go back to sleep. And you? I'll finish my cigarette. As Heist smokes, Lena turns back to look at him through the screen. Inside the former counting house... Ricardo enters stealthily via the door and sits down, cross-legged beneath Jones on the floor. Confound your fussiness. If you're not going to sleep, the least you can do is to allow me to do so. On account of that fella can't sleep, that's why. What business is he? You're thinking him better than I. How do you know? He were thinking. My own eyes saw it. It might have been anything. Toothache, for instance. You might have dreamed it, for all I know. Maybe it were time we had a little think ourselves. You're always making a fuss. I am, but not for nothing, do I? Mine may not be a gentleman's way, but it ain't a fool's way neither. You roused me at this hour to talk about yourself, have you? It's that man over there. I don't like him. Don't you? He, I don't know how to say it. He ain't hearty like. He does seem self-possessed. Oh, yeah, no, that's it, yeah, self. Anyways, I'd just as soon poke an hole in his ribs if this weren't a special job. You think he's suspicious? He did get out of bed in the middle of the night. Bad conscience, perhaps. On account of all that plunder he's got stashed away somewhere. Perhaps that hotel keeper has been lying to you. He may simply be a poor devil on an island. I'm surprised at you, sir. When it comes to plunder, you're not a kind of keep his hands off. Just look at how he got rid of that bad of his. And? Do you mean to say a man that's up to that wouldn't bag whatever he could lay his hands on in his hypocritical way? Nah. The thing is to extract it from him as neatly as possible. All right, you looked it all around, sir, before you consented to the trip. I didn't think much about it at all. I was bored. Oh, that you were. Bad. I was pretty out of sorts myself. Well, here we are, after a mighty narrow squeak. But never you mind, sir, never you mind. Each swag will pay for the lot. He is all alone here. Yeah, in a way. Alone enough. There's the Chinaman, though. There's the China, there's the China, certainly. What we're thinking, sir, is here we got a man. If he won't be good, he can be made quiet. But then there's his plunder. He don't carry it in his pocket. I should hope not. It's too big, we know. But if he were alone, he wouldn't feel too worried about it. He'd just put it into any old box or drawer that were handy. Would he? Is there a safe in this here counting house? Look. Pointing to a safe with its door slightly ajar, Ricardo looks wide-eyed at Jones. 
Their faces drop. Uh, hmm. The man spoke of circumstances which prevented him from lodging us in his house. You remember? Sounded cryptic, no? More of his artfulness, sir. Not the worst of it, neither. I don't like it. He may be outside this very minute, observing this light here and saying the same thing about you and I. The light? Well, it can be accounted for. There's a light on in this bungalow in the middle of the night, because why? Because you're not well. Not well, sir. Hmm. With your looks, all you'd need to do is lie down, quiet like. And you as hard as nails all the time. <laughs> Perhaps it would be a good idea. A china means nothing. It can be made quiet any time. A baron, though, it can be ripped up, sure, quite easy like, but not before one knows exactly where he's hidden the goods. You understand. Aye, sir. Aye. Something's sure to turn up before long to give us an hint. But you, sir, you got to play him gently for the rest. Leave it at me. And what, may I ask, are you leaving it to? A luck. And don't say anything more, sir. You are a superstitious beggar. And speaking of luck, I suppose he could be made to take an hand or two with you, sir. To pass the time, you could even lose a little money to him. I could. He strikes me, sir, as a sort of gent who'd prance if something startled him like. So he mustn't startle him. Not till I've located the loot. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. There's only one thing worrying me, sir. Only one? Are you likely to get bored, sir? I know them fits come on you sudden luck. Martin, you are an ass. Really, sir? I'm quite happy to be on these terms as long as you don't get bored. It wouldn't do, sir. Ricardo quickly removes his shirt, revealing a muscular torso. As he moves closer to the reclining Jones on the bed, his shadow on the wall grows larger. In fact... I'm rather amused, Martin. <laughs> That's the way you talk, sir. That's the way. Silhouettes of the two men's bodies slowly come together. That's the way. The next day, behind the coal heap, Ricardo observes Wang picking vegetables in the garden. Wang stops, listens, rises, glances around, cocks his head, and then exits around the side of the house. Ricardo, after creeping up the veranda steps and over to the desk, begins rifling through it. He's staring up at the portrait of Heist Senior when suddenly the screen door opens. As Ricardo hugs the wall, Lena approaches the rail and begins brushing her hair. After watching her wide-eyed, Ricardo creeps behind her, then suddenly pounces. <laughs> Jiminy, you are a wonder. We should be friends yet. You aren't a time when are you? Or neither am I. What are you after? A swag, of course. Swag? Swag, plunder. What your gentleman's been pinching left and right for years. This. And what's that got to do with you? There's a game of grab, see? That fat, tame slug of hotel keeper put us up to it. Oh. He would have given all he had for a feel of those hands that nearly strangled me. But you couldn't, eh? No. Look at us. Two half-breeds. We was made to understand each other. You ain't tame. Neither am I. You've been chucked out of this rotten world of hypocrites. Same here. Tell me, where is it? Where is what? The swag. Is it in the house? Is it in the house? No. You sure? I'm sure. Ah, thought so. Do your gentlemen trust you? Yes. Good. Wang enters unseen. He crouches in the garden and observes. Chuck all this bloody hypocrisy. You'll stand with us. Is your gentleman a good shot? Yes. Mine too. Better and good. Me? Not so good, but I carry a pretty deadly thing about me all the same. And me gentleman ain't the sort that would drop me. Whereas your baron, better not wait for the chuck. Pile him with us. 
and get your share of the loot. He must have some notion of it already. Yes. That's good. Now all you gotta do is find out where he keeps it. Lena, is that you? Just brushing my hair. I'll be right in. Lena immediately points to the rail and Ricardo jumps where she's pointed, just in time to avoid being seen by Heist, who has materialised behind the screen door. You haven't seen Wang, have you? No. That's not like Wang. To serve laid. Wang, are you there? Rising from his crouch, Wang swiftly scales the veranda steps. Just before the door, however, Wang stops to give Lena a strange look, a look Heist cannot see. After Wang opens the door and Heist steps aside so Wang can pass, Heist rejoins Lena on the veranda. I'm famished. You look like you could use some nourishment too. Yes. In fact, you look positively peaked. Are you sure you don't want to lie down? Perhaps I should. Yes, you must. Lena attempts to move but immediately begins to sway. Heist catches her and soon Lena is giving way to his embrace. There, there. Lifting her in his arms, Heist is about to carry her inside when Wang reappears at the screen door. After a longish stare, Wang steps aside so Heist and Lena can pass. Approaching the table with a deeply discontented air, Wang begins to transfer items from the tray. Shaking his head, he moves to the hutch, where he's putting items in order when Heist re-enters. Cup, saucer, plate, fork, knife, oh, propeller. I go now. You go now? Yes. Me no like you. One man, two men, no can do la. Me go now. What's frightening you like this? You're used to white men. You know them well. Yes. Me save ye. Me save ye plenty. You speak that way, but you're frightened of those white men over there. Me no frighten, ah. Huh? Me no like ye. Me very sick. That's a lie. And after stealing my revolver too. No have got ah. See? I never said you had it on you. Heist marches to the desk. But the revolver's gone, just the same. Me no take a revolver. Backing up, Wang inadvertently knocks the table, then immediately jumps back as if spooked. What's the matter? Me no like your... What the devil do you mean? Don't like what? To... To... To what? To white men? Suppose uh, you save ye, huh? You no like ye. Me save ye plenty. Me... Go now. Goodbye. At the counting house, Ricardo enters to find Jones reclining on the bed. You ain't going to tell me you're bored, sir. Bored? No. Where the devil have you been? Observing, watching, nosing around. You loaf all morning and now you come in out of breath. What's the matter? I haven't been wasting my time, if that's what you mean. Confound you. The sun hasn't baked your brain, has it? Why are you staring at me like a basilisk? You ought to have been here. That's what I'm trying to tell you, see? I have a plan. We play him nice and easy for a couple of days while I nose around. Nose around? Why not pray while you're at it, too? <laughs> OK, you have 24 hours. We'll pull this off yet, Governor. Clean all right through. If you only just trust me. I am trusting you. We'll pull it off, sir. We must. This is not like the other tries, Martin. I have a peculiar feeling about this. It's a sort of a test. Uh. I've been thinking, Martin, of something you suggested. That to propose a game would be as good a way as any to let him understand that the time has come to uh, disgorge. It's less, how shall I say, vulgar. Oh. It was your own notion, confound you. And who says it weren't? 
but I'm fairly sick of this crawling I am. No, I say, get the exact bearing of his swag and then rip him up. The crudeness of your ferocity is positively gross, Martin. I mean to have some sport out of him. Just imagine the atmosphere of the game. The fellow handling the cards. The agonizing mockery of it. Oh, I shall enjoy this immensely. Yes, let him lose his money instead of being forced to hand it over. You, of course, would shoot him at once. But I shall enjoy the refinement and the jest of it. He's a man of the best society. I've been hounded out of my proper sphere by people very much like that fellow. How humiliated. How angry he shall be. As long as I'm free, rip him up when the time has come. Suddenly appearing framed in the doorway is Heist. Ah, it's you. <clears throat> come in. Sorry to intrude. I've come to let you know that my servant, Wang, has gone off. Deserted, I'm afraid. You mean to say your China's cleared out? What for? I couldn't get a reason out of him. All he said was he didn't like. Didn't like what? Perhaps the look of you two gentlemen. Our looks? Nonsense. He told you that? What do we take us for, kids? Next you'll tell us he was missing something. As a matter of fact, I am. For so? What do you make of this, Governor? Not now. And? Oh, I've not come for your assistance. I've only come to warn you he is armed, and that he objected to your presence here. I want you to understand I am not responsible for anything that might happen. You mean to tell us there's a crazy China with a six-shooter loose on the island, and you don't care? When Heist doesn't answer, Ricardo steals up to Jones and the two confer briefly in a whisper. Yes, well, since you will not have our assistance to recover your property... The least you can do is allow me to lend you my secretary here to do the cooking. I'll cook for all hands, as it were. That wouldn't do, I'm afraid. And anyway, I wouldn't dream of leaving your gentleman unassisted, especially since he is so clearly unwell. Hmm. I've brought you some food. Heist extends a satchel to Ricardo, who refuses to take it. Heist then sets it on a nearby table. You'll find fresh water outside. Uh, Before you go... I suppose you'd like to know just who I am. I shall leave that to you, gentlemen. Oh, that is up to us, isn't it, Martin? That's right. We shall meet in one day's time. I shall have recovered sufficiently by then for a friendly game of cards. You wouldn't object to a friendly game now, would you? Back at the main house, Lena gathers herbs in the garden. When she sees Heist approach, she rises and smiles. Where have you been? I haven't been completely honest with you, Lena. You better know, we've lost Wang for good. For good? He's gone. You expected that, didn't you? Yes. As soon as I discovered he'd taken my revolver. Your revolver? Yes. He startled me. Startled you? It was just before he went away. He seemed to want to warn me. Two is all he said. Yes, two. And that he didn't like it. Two? You and I, we are two. Perhaps he was trying to remind me that he himself has a wife to think of. Two. Why are you so pale, Lena? Am I? You're not frightened, are you? Why should I be frightened? A pair of men are here on the island. White men. I see. I didn't want to worry you. They arrived in a small boat. One is what you might call a gentleman, a ghastly fellow, apparently ailing. He affects great weakness, but I suspect he's perfectly capable of leaping to his feet if need be. His secretary is a feral fellow, definitely armed. I shall need you to keep strictly out of his sight, do you understand? People will have to see me someday. Not these two. 
Anyway, I bought them some food and water. I left the ailing one there, lying on his side. The whole time, the secretary was giving me hard looks. I've been taken completely by surprise. Two months ago, I wouldn't have cared. But now it's different. Now I have... Is that what you were thinking? Now you have me? It means I could lie. And more. For your sake. Don't you ever do that. You'd hate me for it afterwards. Lena, before you, I cared little for life and even less for... Don't talk like that. I only wish these two hands were a hundred to take these scoundrels by their throats. You're sure you haven't been seen? How can I be sure? Yes. How can we be sure? Listen, I have an idea. I must speak to Wang. We shall go and see him in his village. What will you say to him? I... we shall... beg. Heist leads Lena by the hand down a jungle path. Inside the counting house, Ricardo paces with Jones on the bed. It's some move. Blame me if I can understand. Too deep for you? You don't believe all that about the China, do you, sir? It is necessary for it to be true to have meaning. You think he made it up to frighten us? He did look worried. Suppose the Chinaman has stolen his money. Is it likely he would have trusted a China with the knowledge to make that a possibility? I've never been placed in such a ridiculous position before. It's you, Martin, who dragged me into it. I ought to... No, no, I was really too bored to use my brain. And yours is not to be trusted. Haven't I heard you, sir? More than 20 times since we got out of Manila that we should want a lot of capital to work the East Coast with. It weren't to be got in that rotten hotel playing company games of sailors and the like. Well, I brought you here. Where there's cash to be got. And a big lot too, by the way, the fella's playing it. Suddenly, Jones throws off his blanket and rushes for the door. Ricardo rushes after him and, just outside the door, catches him. Put your arm through mine, sir. No use giving the game away. An invalid may come out for a breath of air after sun's gone down, but where'd you aim to go, sir? I hardly know myself. Better go in, sir. Tisn't time yet to come to grips with that gent. Suppose he took it into his head to let off a gun on us. I suppose you're right. Turning back, Jones re-enters the bungalow and makes his way back to bed. Ricardo, his back framed in the doorway, raises a spyglass. Now, let me keep an eye on the blasted fella, while you, sir, have a nice bit of rest. As Heist and Lena approach a jungle barricade of felled trees and foliage, a half-dozen spearheads emerge from between the leaves. We'd better stop, Lena. It's Heist! We're here to see Wang. The leaves part and Wang's face can be seen. You go, Tuan. Wang no like fight. A hand pokes through the barricade holding a revolver. Tuan, no go. Wang, shoot. Wang no like bad white man. Your fears are foolish, Wang. Of course. Foolish. If wise man, huh? Wang merchant, big ship Singapore, huh? No mind coolie, no houseboy. Tuan, no go. Wang, shoot. Before two duck, take aim. Now, go. All right. But you can have no objection to the lady coming to stay with your woman for a few days. Axel, no. Go, Lena. <laughs> that was much worse Lena searches Heist's eyes, but just when she's made up her mind to obey him, the spearheads recock. You're talking nonsense. The bad men, they don't know about her. Bad men no plenty. I wouldn't want to go anywhere. She no go, Tuan. Two. Just as quickly as it first appeared, Wang's face vanishes, leaving Heist and Lena stunned and silent, with only spearheads for company. Back at the counting house, Ricardo peers through the spyglass, while Jones paces in front of the bed. 
Anything new? No, sir. Where could he be off to like this? Like I said, perhaps to see the China. Tell me something I don't already know. Ricardo puts away the spyglass and re-enters the bungalow. Kneeling before the trunk, he extracts a mirror, razor and cup. As Jones reclines on the bed, Ricardo begins lathering up his face. During the course of the shave, which doesn't take long, Ricardo gives Jones's completely immobile face several sidelong glances. When the shave is complete, Ricardo returns the items to the trunk. You've been looking forward to trying your hand at cars with that skunk, haven't you, sir? Mm. You remember in that Mexican town, what's his name? The robber fella they caught in the mountains and condemned to be shot. He played cards with a sheriff after the night. Well, this fella's condemned too. He must give you your game. And a gentleman ought to have some relaxation. You've been uncommonly patient, sir. You are uncommonly volatile all of a sudden. What's come into you? I said, what's come into you? I'll try to get him over here for you tonight, sir. After dinner. If I ain't here myself, don't you worry. I shall be doing a bit of nosing around, see? And what do you expect to see out there in the dark? Back at the main house, Lena emerges from the jungle trailed by Heist, who suddenly bends at the waist, hands to knees. What's the matter? Nothing. I was just wondering if I could find the courage to creep among them while they sleep with a knife and slit their throats. Don't you dare do such a thing. Don't even think of it. I don't own anything larger than a penknife. Wait. What is it? There's somebody following us. I saw white. No doubt. No doubt. But I didn't see anything now. Oh, they'll eventually show their faces. And then? I did think for a moment of the mine, but even there we couldn't stay long. It's not safe. There is their boat. We could get into that, but they've taken everything out of her. I've seen the oars and mast in the corner of their room. No, if you saw white, as you say, then they're sure to have seen you. I wish to God they'd never laid eyes on you. I don't think you wanted anybody to ever see me. We'd better get inside. It's getting late. Huh. What is it? Only a thought, but this danger, this trouble, whatever it is, finding us here, it's a kind of punishment. Punishment? What on earth for? Are they agents of providence, these two, avengers of good? How flattered they'd be if they could hear you. Now you're making fun of me. Let's hope for mercy together, shall we? Surely you can't want all the mercy for yourself. No. Look, there at the counting house. How sinister it looks. Thunderstorm gearing up is all. I expect we'll hear it all night. Not likely to visit us, though. As Heist holds open the door, Lena stares at the distant counting house. Eventually, she releases her gaze and continues inside. Heist follows. A short while later, Heist re-emerges. Moving to the desk, he's rifling through it when Lena pushes open the screen door. Ah! If only one of these wretched knives had an edge on it. I believe one of these forks would have made a better weapon. A knife? That's what you'd want in case... There's a crowbar on the jetty. But can you see me walking around with a crowbar in my hand? Perhaps they're afraid of you. Well, they do seem to hang back for some reason. What about that crowbar? Suppose I had it. Could I stand in ambush just inside the door and smash the first head that comes my way? No, it's a knife you'd want to defend yourself with. A knife. They would say that after killing my partner for his money that I murdered these poor shipwrecked souls. Who would believe it? Perhaps not you. At least not at first, but... Suddenly materialising behind the screen door is Ricardo. My dear Mr. Ricardo. At your service. Mum, I didn't know there were a lady about. Had a pleasant walk, did we? Yes. And you? I haven't been a yard from the Governor all afternoon. 
What'd you ask? Well, I thought you might have wanted to explore the island a little. Though, I should remind you, it wouldn't exactly be a safe proceeding. When in that China that's run away from you, he ain't much. He has a revolver. You have a revolver too. I don't worry myself about that. Ah, but that's different. I'm not afraid of you. Of me? Of both of you. You could see at once that you were a gentleman, couldn't you? Anybody could see that you are. You and he ought to understand each other. He expects to see you tonight, by the way. The governor ain't well, and we got to think about getting away from here. Thinking of leaving, are we? The best of friends must part. And we's used to being on the move. You, I understand, prefer to stick in one place. And where did you acquire this information about me? Why, any man could have guessed that, but the governor, he'd be the man to tell you. He's the one who does the talking. Let me take you to him. He ain't at all well. And he can't wake up his mind to go away without first having a talk with you. Heist glances at Lena, who looks uncertain. Okay, I'll speak to your boss. But you go on ahead. I'll join you shortly. All right, Governor. But don't you try and pull a quick one, or you'll be awful sorry for it, let me tell you. I'm going. I'm going to confront these scoundrels. Yes. You have a black dress here, no? Yes, an old thing. Good. Put it on when I'm gone. Why? Can you find it and get into it in the dark? No candles. I suppose. Good. Now, where's that piece of dark veil I've seen lying about? Here. Perfect. Now, listen. As soon as I step off this veranda, you put on your black dress and you wrap it round your head with this and you slip out the back. You run directly into the forest beyond the tall trees. There, you'll find a place in full view of the front door. In the black dress, your face covered, I defy anyone to find you before daylight. Wait there until you see three candles lit and then two put out. Then run back here as fast as you can. If you don't see three candles lit and two put out, don't let anything entice you back to this house. At the crack of dawn, steal past the clearing until you find the path. Go to Wang. Yes, Wang. You know the way. Well, the worst he can do is shoot you, but he won't. Not if I'm not there. A ship's bound to turn up before long. Think of a way to signal it. You understand? You are to run out of the house now. Lena lifts his hand to her lips and lets it fall. Moving to the door and opening it, she then turns back, motioning Heist away with her arm. He obeys, turning and descending the steps as Lena enters the house. Only after Heist has disappeared does Lena re-enter the veranda and sit down deliberately on the divan. Inside the counting house, as Jones paces in a silk dressing gown, hands plunged deeply in both pockets, Ricardo pokes his head through the open door. Here he comes, Governor. Keep him with you as long as you can, till you hear me whistle. I'm on the track. Ricardo then stands aside so Heist can enter with a smile. Ricardo vanishes. It's awfully close. I haven't come to talk about the weather. No. The last time I was here, you were going to tell me who you are. Who are you? I am a man to be reckoned with. <laughs> no, stop. Don't put your hand in your pocket. Don't. <laughs> a matter of prudence. A man of your free life can surely appreciate that. You are a much-talked-about man, Mr. Haste, and though you are accustomed to employing the subtler weapons of intelligence, still, I can't afford to take any risks of the grosser methods. And those are? Oh, I realize I'm no match for you in intelligence, but I assure you that in the other way, you are no match for me. I have you covered at this very moment. Do you now? The outline of a gun can be seen poking through the silk of Jones's dressing gown pocket. I am a person to be reckoned with. You've said that already. <clears throat> so you've heard of me then? I should think so. 
We have been staying at Schomburg's. Schomburg. What's the matter? Nothing. Nausea. And you? What is your business with me? You might say we belong to the same social sphere, but something has driven you out. The originality of your ideas, perhaps? Or was it your peculiar tastes? Come, you can't expect to have it always your way. You are a man of the world, after all. Just who are you? I, my dear sir, am the world itself. Come to pay you a visit. I am an outlaw, an outcast, a sort of fate. The retribution that takes its time. I wish to God you were the commonest sort of bandit. One could talk to you straight and hope for some humanity. Oh, I dislike violence as much as you do, Mr. Haste. Ours, you see, is a soft age. It is also an age without prejudices. I've heard you are free from them yourself. Oh, you mustn't be shocked if I tell you plainly that we are after your money. Martin, of course, knows more of it than I. Retrieving a handkerchief from his non-gun pocket, Jones wipes the sweat from his forehead. And where is that henchman of yours now? Breaking into my desk? That would be crude. Still, crudeness is one of life's conditions. To tell you the truth, I don't know precisely where Martin is. He's been a little mysterious of late. No, don't get up. It wasn't my intention. Pray remain seated. Were you more observant, you'd know I have no weapon on me of any kind. Possibly. But pray keep your hands still. This is too big an affair for me to take any risks. Too big an affair? Good heavens. What is it you're looking for? There's very little of it here, very little of anything. You would say so, naturally. But that is not what we have heard. What have you heard? A lot, a lot. We have heard, for instance, of a certain Morrison, once your partner. Aha, you flinched. <laughs> Laugh as much as you like. I, who have been hounded from society by a lot of highly moral souls, can't see anything funny in that story. But here we are, and you will now have to pay for your fun. You've heard a lot of ugly lies. You would say so, of course. As a matter of fact, I haven't heard very much. It was Martin. He collects the information. You don't suppose I would speak with that Schomburg animal more than I could help, do you? It was Martin he took into his confidence. The stupidity of that man beggars belief. It would be useless, for instance, to tell me that your Chinaman has run off with your money. A man living alone with a Chinaman on an island takes care to conceal property of that kind. Of course. Though I wouldn't put too much trust in your ingenuity, Mr. Haste. You don't strike me as a very ingenious person. Neither am I. My talents lie another way. But Martin... Who, at this very moment, is rifling my desk. I don't think so. What I was going to say is that Martin is much cleverer than a Chinaman. He's great at ferreting out secrets. Secrets such as yours. Secrets like mine? Keep still, I say. I've told you I'm not armed. I am inclined to believe you. Still, my object is to keep you in this room. Do not provoke me by some unguarded movement to smash your knee or something of that sort. He who deliberates is lost. Of course, physically, I am no match for you. Why, you could... Are you trying to frighten yourself? You don't seem to have the pluck for this business. 
business. Not everyone can divest themselves of the prejudices of a gentleman as easily as you have done, Mr. Haste. Don't you worry about my pluck. If you were to, let's say, lunge at me, why you would receive in mid-air something that would make you perfectly harmless by the time you landed. We are adequate bandits, and we are after the fruit of your swindles. It's the way of the world. Gorge and disgorge. Swindler, eh? You're giving yourself and that henchman of yours no end of trouble, or to crack an empty nut. There are a few sovereigns, of course, which you may have if you like. Swindler, I tell you. Let me tell you that there were never in this world two more deluded bandits. Never. <clears throat> Fooled by a silly innkeeper. Talked over like a pair of children with the promise of sweets. I didn't talk to that disgusting animal, but he convinced Martin, who is no fool. And who wanted very much to be convinced. Now I wouldn't want to disturb your touching trust in your follower. But you think if the story of my riches were true, Schomburg would have imparted it to you from sheer altruism? Is that the way of the world, Mr. Jones? The beast is cowardly. He was frightened and wanted to be rid of us, if you want to know. I don't know that the material inducement was so great, but I was bored, and we decided to accept the bribe. All my life I've been seeking new impressions, and you have turned out to be something quite out of the ordinary. Martin, of course, looks to the material results. On track, is he? But not enough to shoot me, am I right? Didn't Schomburg tell you where I conceal the fruits of my swindles? If it hadn't been for the girl who he persecuted and who threw herself on my protection. But you knew that already. No, I didn't know that. That creature tried to talk to me once of some girl he had lost, but I told him I didn't want to hear any of his beastly female stories. What sort of comedy is this? You mean to say that you didn't know that I had a woman with me here? A woman? Here? Here? You mean to say you didn't know the only fact in this silly web of lies? No, I didn't, but Martin did. He knew. He knew from the first. Why, I have a good mind to shoot you, you woman-ridden hermit, you man in the moon. No, it won't be you I shoot. It'll be that other woman-lover. The prevaricating, sly, low-class, amorous cuss. He shaved, shaved under my very nose. I'll shoot him. On the track, on the scent, I might have smelt a rat. I always knew that'd be the danger. He shaved himself, shaved himself right in front of me, and I never guessed. <laughs> oh, it's as clear as daylight. What do you say, unarmed man? Shall we go and see what's detaining my trusted Martin so long? Jones jerks the gun towards the door, and Heist begins to shuffle reluctantly in that direction. Back at the main house, as Lena rises from the divan, Ricardo climbs cat-like up the steps to meet her. Taking her hand, he places it over his heart. Here, feel how quietly it beats. Ten times the day when you swam in me eye. I thought it'd burst one of me ribs or leap out of me throat. It's knocked itself dead tired for this very minute. See, if I'd taken you by the throat that first morning and had me way with you, oh, I should never have known who you are. Now I do. You're a wonder. And so am I. I have nerve. And brains too. I plan. I plot for me gentlemen. Gentlemen. <laughs> sick of you. You're sick of yours too, eh? Speak to me, girl. 
Speak. It's my job to listen. But your answer, yes? Yes. Where's the plunder? Do you know? No, not yet. But there's plunder stowed somewhere that's worth having, eh? I think so. Ah, who cares? I've had enough, and it's crawling on me belly. It's you who are the treasure. It's you who I found where a gentleman had buried you in a rock for his pleasure. Ugh. Dog tired, as if I've been pouring my lifeblood here on these planks for you to dabble your pretty little feet in. Why, for you, I would throw away money, lives, all lives but mine. What you want is a man, a man who will let you put the heel of your shoe on his neck, not that skulker who'll get tired of you in a year and you of him. And then what? You'll not want to see still. Neither have I. I live for myself, and you live for yourself too. Not for a Swedish baron. A gentleman's the best kind of boss, but an equal partnership against all hypocrites. That's a thing for you and me. Down a narrow, winding pathway between the counting house and the main house, Jones marches heist at the point of a gun. Yes. Yes, it has the distinct advantage, does it not, of covering the sound of our approach. And there, look, my clever Martin is punishing your stock of candles. I left them burning to save him the trouble. Aren't you anxious about that fascinating creature you poached from the innkeeper? I've placed her in safety. I took good care of that. You have, have you? Is that what you mean? In the distance, illumined by flickers of lightning, Lena and Ricardo can be seen standing together on the veranda. Yes, you and I have met. The partnership between me and the governor is hereby ripped up. Oh, I'd shoot me like a dog if he could see us now. But don't you worry, this will settle it. Lena's face lights up at the reference to the blade. Look at you, you marvel, you miracle. You found your man in me. They're having our last talk together. And I'll do for you gentlemen too by tonight. I wouldn't be in too much of a hurry with him. Good, thrifty girl. Still thinking about the swag. You'll make a good partner, you will. And why do you call your mate Jiminy? Further down the narrow pathway... Can there be a more disgusting spectacle? Of course. Of course. You see... I had to shut my eyes many times to his little flings. But this time, this time, he's found his soulmate. Mud souls, obscene and cunning mud bodies too. The mud of the gutter. No, it won't be you I'll shoot. It'll be him. He would have stabbed you as you came down the steps after leaving me. And then he would have walked up to me and planted the same knife between my ribs. Look, see the lightning? There. Behold. Behold. What do you think a fella is, anyhow? Scarecrow? All that and no feeling? No, sir. Never in his life again will he go into your bedroom. Never. Say, you're up to find a man with your bare hands. Think you could manage to stick one with me knife? How can I tell? I'd need to have a look at it. Without taking his eyes off her, Ricardo smoothly unsheathes the blade and cradles it. Take it in your hands. Feel the power. I didn't think you would ever trust me with it. Why not? For fear I would cut you with it. Cut me? But it's morning. No spy left in you for that. You forgave me. You've got to bury me too. Yes. Listen, when we're going about the world together, you and me, you'll call me husband, you hear? Yes, husband. Lena allows the knife to slip casually between the folds of her dress. I ain't gonna hide you. Not that good-for-nothing sneery gentleman. You'll be my pride and me chump. I'll be anything you like. You will? Yes. Anything? Anything. 
Give me your foot. Lena obeys. As Ricardo begins kissing her instep greedily, Lena, summoning all of her might, kicks Ricardo hard in the throat. Below them, in the garden, holding a smoking gun over Heist's shoulder, is Jones. Spotting his armed boss, Ricardo leaps over the rail and vanishes. Jones and the gun immediately disappear around the side of the house. Heist then climbs up to where Lena, looking triumphant, has landed on the steps. I knew you would come back. You're safe now. I've done it. I would never, never let him ever get it back. Oh, my love. Heist turns and descends several steps. No doubt you acted from instinct. I was a disarmed man. I see that now. I knew you would come back. Turning back, Heist returns his gaze to Lena. He's once again his playful self. No, the glory's yours, Lena. All yours. Oh, you mustn't make fun of me now. I was thanking the stars with all my heart for being able to do it. Oh, my love. My... Hearing, for the first time, the weakness in her voice and instantly reading something awful in her eyes, Heist rushes to Lena's side. Oh, my... My <sighs> A look of intense panic breaks out on Heist's face. Sensing the worst, he rips open the front of Lena's dress. There, in the swelling of her pale breast, is a small black hole. No. No. Lena's fingertips attempt in vain to grab hold of something in her lap. Give it to me. Give it to me. It's mine. After struggling intensely for several moments not to break down, Heist is at last able to place into Lena's hands the blade she has won for him. Uh. After triumphantly gripping the handle for several moments, Lena extends the blade in Heist's direction. For you. For you. Yes. Before Heist can take the blade, Lena's smile suddenly wanes as an awful tremor passes over her. What's the matter with me? You... have been... shot. Shot? Oh, my love. My love. I've saved you. Yes, my darling. My love. Take me, take me in your arms and carry me out of this lonely place. Lena attempts to raise herself but cannot. Only when Heist slips an arm under her neck is she able to fully surrender. A smile of innocent girlish happiness breaks out on her face. Then she is gone. As tears stream down Heist's cheeks, Rustling sounds can be heard in the nearby bushes. Is that you, Governor? Yes, it's me. Shimmer, thought a beggar had done for you. He started prancing and nearly had me. Been looking for you ever since. Well, here I am. Out from the bushes, holding Heist's smoking revolver, steps Wang. Seeing Heist with Lena's body. Heist carefully sets down Lena's head and softly closes her eyes. Rising slowly, he moves to the dropped revolver. Picking it up, he opens the gun's chamber and inspects the remaining bullets. He places the gun under his belt and returns to Lena's body. Gathering it up gently in his arms, Heist makes his way slowly up the steps to the veranda. There, with a lit candlestick from the table, he tenderly applies blue flame to his father's portrait. After watching for a long while, his father's face ignite, and then alight, first the veranda and then the house beyond, 
Heist slowly backs his way into the main house of the Tropical Bay Coal Company for the final time. Moving into the raging fire, Heist's unfaltering arms cradle the lifeless body of Lena. In his trailing hand shimmers the glimmering blade of her victory. You've reached the end of part two of a two-part podplay of the classic novel Victory by Joseph Conrad. This podplay was brought to you by Mouth, bringing classic novels to sonic life in their essence. Victory was dramatised, produced and edited by Martin Garrison, with music by Jacob McNatt, and featuring the voice talents of Russ Bain, Will Henry, Joanna Karen Brown, Yanni Gialli, Christopher Kendrick, Albert Quay, Joanne Lichtenstein, Colin W.D. McLean, Esther Payne, William Sage, John Vernon, and Time Winters. This production was made possible in part by the Stephen J. Fajardo family. To support our work, please visit buymouth.org.